Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Lynn Colby, Editorial Director at Curse Dragon Ship Publishing. Our guest this week is Nathan Amy, lit RPG author and hobby enthusiast. Nathan grew up exploring the Ozark Mountains. He has far too many hobbies to be really good at any of them. He eventually discovered a small but thriving genre of game-centered literature and, fascinated by the interweaving of game elements into fiction, wrote his debut novel as a post-apocalyptic lit RPG adventure set in the Ozark Mountains. It's not your favorite now, he will be after. Hey, Nathan, how are you this evening? Great. It's hard to resist the urge to dance around like Ramon when you right. play music. It's fun. <laughs> we like the music. It's very handy. You had so much, though. Like, it was hard to squeeze it in in my time frame. I have to say, man after my own heart with all of your hobbies. I can't I stop myself Suck at all of them, mostly. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> well, where do you think that comes from? Like that need to keep learning something new. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's partly just shiny syndrome, right? Like I get decent at one thing, and I'm like, well, that was cool. What if I get decent at a totally different thing? <laughs> so everything from yeah, homebrewing to guitar playing to rock climbing to fencing to fishing, whatever. Like some things stick longer than others, but I love just trying new things. Um, there's just something about learning stuff. Right, it's fun. Super fun. Yeah. Yes. Completely. Got into wood carving, so I what? like it's part of the Fae Nexus books. Um, the main character kind of he likes to wood carve, um, so I was like. I mean, I used to whittle a lot with my grandpa, and then I started writing this book and brought it into the character and loved it and um, thought, well, yeah, of course I need to pick that back up. So, you know, just carve little ugly wizard heads and gnome figurines and stuff like that. Super fun. That does sound wow, like I, fun and dangerous. You need band-aids. They say they write what you know. I guess you can write what you know poorly. I don't know. <laughs> Well, if you know a little bit when you're writing, right? Uh Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You fake it a little bit. Magic is there for a reason. Yeah, Florida (laughs) Kevin says the jack of all trades, master of none mentality fits well with writing. Yeah, totally agree. It does, right? You can Mm -hmm. just fiddle with an idea and you have to kind of dig into it a little bit. And that digging is super fun. So, like, I'm the guy with 600 tabs opening, three windows worth of chrome. Um, It's crazy. So... Calling the That's geology all, professor okay. down the street. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, it gets expensive. Like you can easily <laughs> sink a couple hundred bucks into a new hobby just to try it out, and you're like, "Oh God, this is so much fun!" And suddenly you're doing that instead of writing book three. Yeah. <laughs> hint, hint. Uh oh. Hope your publisher isn't listening. <laughs> um. Don't tell. So, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> this isn't recorded or anything. You're fine. Nope. Um, yeah, we're not going to see him in two weeks. Funny. Exactly. So, right? You never know. I was wondering all of these hobbies then. So you picked up wood carving again recently, you said, but you did it when you were a kid. So do you have any new one that you've tackled lately? Oh, um, man, most of them are things that I tried young and picked back up. Um, So, you know, wood carving when I was a kid and then wood carving recently um, brewing when I was back in college and home brewing again now. Um, blacksmithing I've just fiddled with, so that's probably like 
the one that's nothing more than a railroad spike and a blowtorch right now, but I would love to get a real forge and stuff like that. So once the budget allows, I'm sure that will be the, the next thing because <laughs> I do love it. That's so cool. I have to admire that. Always wanting to learn. I love it. Um, and also, according to your bio, anyways, it looks like that you favor outdoor hobbies. You have a lot of outdoor ones. So the yeah, forge goes right fun. along with that, man. It does. Yeah, you definitely don't want to do that indoors if you can. If you got a nice spot outside, it's great. Although the neighbors, luckily, my neighbors are a very long ways away, so ah, that helps. They don't yes, get to say a thing. I live out in the boonies. That helps for storing all of the equipment that you've gathered up over the years from the hobbies. See, it helps. Oh yeah, yeah. We had to put up a shed. <laughs> <laughs> a big one. It has to go somewhere. It cannot be in my does. living room any longer. No. <laughs> well, with all of your outdoor activities, what's the coolest thing you've seen while out there in the wilds of North America? Oh, man. There's just so many beautiful places out there. Um, I don't know. Watching it snow in the desert was really cool. So we used to... What? Lived in, we lived in Colorado for a mm -hmm. while. Uh, grew up in Missouri, lived in Colorado, and came back to Missouri. Um, but one... March, we were out in Moab, okay. you know, near Greenlands and Arches National Park and all those beautiful places. And it just snowed on us. And it was the most gorgeous thing because it's this really dry, fine pellet type snow. And it just swept across the sky because you can see for miles. Um, so you can just watch it roll across the desert and drop snow. And that's really cool. So that's one of the neatest things. That would have been really cool. We've been to Arches. So with all the, the red rock yeah. and that snow, oh, my gosh, it would be so pretty. So another hobby is jeeping. So I've got a Jeep. It's not super big, but it's big enough to go some interesting places. <laughs> and, we, you know, driving it around the desert is just super fun. Get back to where nobody else is, right? Hmm. No, that <laughs> one sounds scary to me. I'm sorry. I'm on board with all your other hobbies. That one <laughs> sounds very scary. I'm not adventuresome in that way. So we went to the desert when it was August, and it was Ooh. 104 one day, oh. and the, the ranger tells you basically on your way in, like, mm -hmm. there's nobody else out there. There's one, one person, and he's leaving today, so you'll pass him, and that's it. So we get way back in the Canyonlands National Park and um, get back to our campsite and hear voices echoing up the canyon. What? And that was rather interesting. And it's this cool little place called the Dollhouse. So it's all rock spires and little winding passageways. I'm like, who the hell is back here with us? And after looking around for a while, mm -hmm. we figured out the echoes were coming up from the river. Rafters were drifting through the park. And so we walked down and talked to the rafters and stuff. But it was kind of funny. How cool. Just for a little while. So just neat experiences being out there. And I mean, so for a little hot. bit, it was haunted. I mean, that's really fun. It was cool because you couldn't quite <laughs> make out what anybody was saying, but you could hear for sure voices. So it was just that classic, what the heck is this moment. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Now that's got to end up in a book someday, right? Oh, yeah. No, I, I love desert settings too. So I'm anxious to write one of those, but. I started out in the Midwest just because that's where I grew up, and I love the Ozarks, and I don't think enough awesome books are placed in this beautiful place because people think of other landscapes first, but mm -hmm. it's gorgeous here. 
So that's awesome. You know, I'll get to it. Eventually. There's there's a lot more <laughs> writing left in you, I think. I can I hope so. Well Sincerely hope so. <laughs> your bio says that you always carried well loved sci fi or fantasy novels in your backpack. Can you remember what some oh, of those yeah. were? Oh, um, so I can tell you a little bit about what inspired Fae Nexus a little bit. So I've gotten some questions about where the word Fae comes from as far as a power. Because mm-hmm. usually it's fairies, right? It's a, a, re- a reference to fairy folk. Right. But there's a, a, a series called the Cold Fire Trilogy by C.S. Friedman. Okay. Um, it starts with Black Sun Rising. And in that one, the Fae is a power exuded by the planet itself. So humanity is kind of relocated to this planet that is full of this magical power. And I just couldn't get that thought out of my head. So when I wrote my first book, I needed to introduce that. And then when you look into the etymology of the word Fae, mm-hmm. there's a lot of lot more meaning to it than um, just the fairy folk that we think of a lot these days. Um, so when you look at the connotations of some of the old translations, it just mm-hmm. made sense. I thought, I'm just going to run with it. Uh, other stuff, obviously Lord of the Rings. I read that when I was six or seven, so um, mm. and I read it still every few years. Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Love that the book, holy moly. Yeah, Asimov's Foundation Trilogy, uh, The Dragon Riders of Pern by Anne McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Um, Required reading. Guardians. Guardians of the Flame by Joel Rosenberg was one of the ones that, as soon as I hit on lit RPG, mm-hmm. it harkened me back to this, you know, it's a portal fantasy with D&D players that get sucked into their D&D world by their game master. They were ahead of the time. This is really cool. I yeah. love that book. <laughs> I, you know, to see it reflected in a more modern, burgeoning genre was super fascinating. So that kind of brought me to it. So cool. um, what else? Newer stuff is like V.E. Schwab's Darker Shade of Magic is excellent. Um, that was on my list. I've not read it yet, but I've heard awesome things. See Naomi Novik, Spinning Silver, stuff like that. So just you name it. My, my grandma was a bookseller, and I didn't know what she was doing at the time, but she would bring me piles of books that had their covers torn off. <laughs> Who returns. cares? Take them. Yeah, right. Right. So uh-huh. Their returns from bookstores who were, yep. they were just going to burn them and she couldn't stand seeing them destroyed. So she gave them to me to read first. So cool. So I just oh grew gosh. up reading piles of books. <laughs> that would be so cool. So yeah. well, I'm assuming that writing started as a hobby, just like many of these other ones. What was the push that set you, set you on the route to a published author? Um, I don't know. So I, I wrote when I was in grade school a little bit here and there and enjoyed that and then got distracted as I am wont to do by other things. And then I wrote some poetry and actually had a poem or two published, just, you know, like local newspaper type stuff, just garbage. But um, <laughs> then I <laughs> took up a different career for a while. I'm a computer programmer by trade for years. And then I just couldn't get away from the feeling uh, that it was worth coming back to because I read all the time time. and I had ideas and would play with language. I loved playing with words, playing with language and then um, started writing again. Um, I just started going through the traditional kind of ringer (laughs) when 
right when indie started to come about. So I went to some writing conferences to kind of learn the craft a little bit more and learn what the business was like uh, more. And got some nibbles and babies and won a few contests, and that gave me some hope, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, I just realized I needed to do it at my own pace and in my own way. And so indie publishing was the route that I really uh, grabbed onto. And then um, as a result of getting to know a bunch of awesome people, so I, I met a bunch of really cool folks in the lit RPG genre, a bunch of really cool indie authors and indie publishers, like small publishers. Mm-hmm. So it's a traditional model just on a slightly smaller than big four scale. I realized these people like were us. fantastic to work with, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, a couple of the people that I met and just absolutely adored um, were the Shadow Alley folks. So James and Jeanette awesome. are so cool. And yeah. I got to know, you know, Dakota and Danielle as well from Mountaindale and then a bunch of the other indie authors in Lit RPG. Charles Dean was really awesome and welcoming and uh, Nathan Thompson and a bunch of other authors and this was just such a cool community i couldn't help myself i was like i have to write in this i've been playing D since the 80s um it's just the perfect mesh i still have my old dice where you have to rub the crayon in the numbers to get them to show up i still have <laughs> my bag of those that's awesome so it was just a natural fit and eventually um i ended up talking to james and Jeanette, and was like yeah let's let's talk seriously and we did and so that's how it all kind of happened. But it's been a long, crazy, twisty road. <laughs> yeah. Takes time, right? Uh, Takes time to actually learn. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. It's been awesome. Yeah, I, I think that's funny. So part of the reason why you became a published author is because you wanted to hang with these other authors. I love that because that's part of my reason, too. I was like, yeah. dude, I really like these authors. I want to hang with them. <laughs> yeah. How do I join this club? I have to write. All right. I better learn. <laughs> yep. I always told stories and always had ideas and always read just yep. piles of books. And just It was the natural next step. That's so cool. Um, so for the I- record, Florida Kevin thinks he's funny. Because he says, <laughs> the entomology of the word fae. Is that where fairies get their insect wings? All right, smart Alec. Etymology. Are you happy now? Are you happy now? Etymology. Etymology. <laughs> Etymology. No end. Um, yes, that's that's funny. I mean, he thinks he's funny because he is. Um, that really bugs me, dude. <laughs> so, wondering, how long did it take you to write the first book? Um... Yeah. I don't know. Probably so it's the it's it's a conglomeration of a bunch of different ideas that were gestating for a while, but I had probably that first conversation about it concretely was at Superstars and so I published it a little less than a year later. It went through a few different iterations. Mm-hmm. So, and I write really non-linearly, so I don't start at the beginning and write through to the end. Really? I sort of plot, but I also mm-hmm. then quickly destroy the plot as I'm writing. But isn't there math read- involved in your stories? How do you do that with the math? <laughs> so I told you I was a programmer, right? Right. I actually, I actually wrote uh, my game system in a programming language that I can run. And so if I change a stat, I can go back to the chapter that the stat changes in and rerun the whole book 
and it spits out the dice rolls again. And so I have the dice rolls. Like, I physically roll the dice, uh-huh. and then I track my rolls, but it will go recalculate the bonuses that get added to the rolls that I actually rolled while I was writing, just in case it turns a hit into a miss or something like that. Uh-huh. So it's a combination of, like, actually rolling the dice almost all the way through, but if they level up or change powers or something, I can swap it out in the program. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, there's a part where over-engineering comes. It's a benefit. For this, it is a benefit. <laughs> it, it probably cost me some time, but it also saved me time in the end. So you know, I'm not sure if it was really a gain or net loss. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, Og was asking about lit RPG, um, that a game world is tied to the story. Yeah, so, well, correct me if I'm wrong. So lit RPG, you have people in, like, a regular world that are actually, like you said, portal fantasy. So they're actually sent into a game world. But in lit RPG, they actually have to play the game. Yeah, so... Like, they level, they... Mm -hmm. There are a couple of ways to look at it. The Mm -hmm. primary thing that's indicative of the genre is that a game system exists and it helps to drive the narrative. So the characters are aware of it and they make some decisions based on it. So the choice to pursue a particular class, power, or quest drives the story. Um, Around that, you can do lots of different things. You can have a, a fantasy world where a game system is just normal in that world. Um, so like Grey Blood Academy is an example of this. It's totally second world fantasy. Um, it just, they happen to have stat sheets and that's normal for their way of life. You can have virtual reality transfer. Um, and that was one of the common ones when the, the genre really came to life. Yeah, um, but that's it's, a Viridian Gate, right? Yeah, Viridian Gate is a great example of that. And then there's also uh, Isekai or Portal. And that's where a person from Earth, or it you, you doesn't have to be Earth. So if you look at Rogue Dungeon, it's somebody from a different fantasy world goes into a game and then experiences a change in their world, in that world, because they're not used to having a game system. And suddenly they're confronted with prompts and quests and boxes and numbers and stuff. So that's an interesting twist on the genre and then there's um lit rpg apocalypse which is where the game system appears for some reason whether it's an alien game show or uh, you know a new magic system invading earth and reconnecting um so those are the varieties of lit rpg but in each of those the character is aware of the game system and it drives their behavior which is why like ready player one is mm-hmm. borderline because there is a game and it's involved in the narrative But especially in the movie, there's very little action driven specifically around advancing the power set within the game. Um, But it's, yeah, it's there on the edge. It wants to be, just couldn't quite get there. Yeah. And then there's crunchy and non-crunchy. So crunchy involves a lot more numbers. um, And some, you know, readers want to play along and do their own math and see what kind of decisions they would make or imagine themselves flubbing the dice roll along with the character. Um, and other people don't want to see all the numbers and prefer the game lit, which is a little bit less crunchy. So, and I like both. They're, they're both a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
They're both fun. Bane Nexus is on the crunchy end, though. There's actually dice rolls mid-combat, which some people hate and some people love. Hmm. So it's kind of like watching a D&D game. Because I used to love the D&D manuals. I would flip through them. Mm-hmm. And I would actually go to the examples uh-huh. and watch a game session get played out in the example section. Because they would go through the dice rolls and the character decision making. And I loved that. And I think that's part of why I love the genre. <laughs> You're like, wait, I can do that. I totally get it. I have it impressed upon my brain. <laughs> so cool. Um, yeah, I like it. I don't think I would, I, I could see me doing game lit, but lit RPG is, it's, it really is too much math for me. I, I don't think I could keep yeah. up. Cultivation is a lot of fun as well, right? It has a lot of the advancement mechanisms in place, mm-hmm. but without usually an explicit system prompt of some sort. But there are blends of the two, like you fights with monsters, where there's pure cultivation, like a thousand lee. Um, but they all give you that sense of progression throughout the story, which is, um, really important it's nice i do understand that i do like my uh mmorpg so i get it right for from yeah. that point of view um and i know exactly. you said you like those too um right now is there any game you're playing that you're like totally into uh i mean i tried new world uh, amazon's mmo and it was okay for a while and it's just kind of fun to fiddle around with the different weapons and stuff but <laughs> kind of meh you know after a while mm-hmm. it just ran out of gas for me so i'm really just sort of sitting on my hands and waiting for the next thing. I'm not sure maybe Ashes of Creation or I'll go back to some single player thing for a little bit and just fiddle around with Witcher again. That's what actually what I picked up at Christmas. I'm like, I'm just going to play Witcher 3 again. I don't, you never know, right? When you pick up a game and right now I just want something (laughs) comforting that I already am familiar with. It's been a few years, Witcher 3. Yeah. New World was fun because a bunch of lit RPG authors got together on Mm -hmm. Discord and like, fired up Discord and downloaded the game on the first day and played it together for a week straight. And it was just a blast. Yeah, that would be <laughs> fun, right? Just play with your friends who make this anyways. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Were you all secretly hoping to be sucked into the game? Come on, admit it. <laughs> we were all hoping. Give a little <laughs> chance, lighting candles. You're like, it could happen. Anything. It could totally happen. We can do it. Let's face it, we don't really know what Bezos is doing behind closed doors, right? I mean, he could be working up this whole AI thing to suck us all in. You never know. There's no telling. Never know. <laughs> um, let's see. Where's Sorry, I had lots of fun with that. Now I forgot where I was. Um, <laughs> okay. So from all of so all this writing and publishing and stuff that you've done, what is the most interesting or craziest thing that you've learned about this business? Oh, man, I don't know. It's all nuts. Um, the business is just crazy. So, huh. I mean, just learning all the tools and tricks of the trade, like formatting books um, is interesting. Mm-hmm. Figuring out what the heck Amazon is actually doing with your <laughs> with your data, with your books. Yeah. How does that all work? Educating guests the, at best. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe the most fascinating thing was listening to um, Steve Campbell and Marley Watson record my first audiobook. Oh, so that, would be so that cool. was just amazing because Steve mm-hmm. records on Discord, mm-hmm. um, and Marley would drop by and do some scenes with him, and some scenes she did separately in her own studio space. And to to listen to Steve work through, um, it's incredible the dedication that they have. Like those narrators. 
to say the line and then think, oh, I didn't quite get the rhythm and the feeling right and say it again and then say it again and then until it's nailed, it's really cool. And then their, their editing and proofing process was really amazing. And I um, I use music software. I write some music and used to DJ as well. So yet another hobby. One more. <laughs> uh, so I could actually talk to Steve about, oh, hey, are you using this kind of compression? Or how does this you know, work in a booth versus just because I just write music on studio monitors locally. I don't have to record anything. So it's it was really interesting just to be able to talk about his recording process and and uh, how they glued their parts together and everything. It's really neat. That would be fun to watch it live. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. And the duet, like the duet narration, is amazing. Where they do line by line splicing of their parts together, incredible. Wow, that's really a cool. lot of work. Yeah, it's totally different than Duel, where it's just chapter by chapter, male POV or female POV, which is also mm -hmm. pretty awesome. But Duet is a whole different bag of worms mm. to That's mix awesome. metaphors. <laughs> oh, why not? We're loud. <laughs> We're writers. I mean, we made the metaphors yeah. up. Works for me. <laughs> so out of all of your characters, which one do you relate to the most? I mean, Gage, for better or worse, is kind of a self-insert. Right, he's suffered some loss. He loves being out in the woods, wants to reconnect with his friends, um, loves to toy with things. So he likes to try to play with his woodcrafting and spell making. Um, he spends time in his little imaginary spellcrafting worlds to build things, and it has to do with his crafting skills, like how he relates to the world around him, is how he constructs new spells. And so, so cool. uh, you know. For better or worse, it's my debut book. I I, I need the excuse. I, I admit it's a little bit of a self-insert. <laughs> I think that's where a lot of us start. Makes sense to me. Yeah. No, nope, makes sense to me. But, I mean, the whole ensemble, like Perry is such a badass, and Annie is a, she's an old moonshiner, and man, she's my, my grandma through and through, and I miss her. Um, so but cool. definitely, definitely reflections of my family and my, my growing up in there <laughs> so cool i have to say when you talked about um the hollers i think it was in one of the titles there and i had a, another friend of mine talk about hollers but she was all like west mm -hmm. virginia and like you know the other mountains i so you have hollers in ozark mountains too oh yeah yeah i went with hollow instead of holler but we say holler a lot <laughs> oh gotcha yeah, oh yeah it was hollow that's right yeah you'll hear it a little more in appalachia Mm -hmm, right, that's why I was connecting it. So I was surprised yeah, it was absolutely. our connection. Mm -hmm. but yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, let's see. So if you, you were careful. forced... Go ahead. I was just going to say, you got to be careful laying the dialect in too thick. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, that's, that, that's always a uh, problem back and forth. Um, you never know. It depends on what you're going for. But sure. yeah, I, I have, I had a friend of a uh, friend's husband who wouldn't even read Harry Potter just because Hagrid had the dialect part in his thing. I'm like, come on, man. It's one character. This is the whole reason not to read the book. What is wrong with you? But yeah, some people are like that. So yeah, yep, that's true. That's pretty mild even. Right. Well, in my opinion, that just means this book wasn't <laughs> for you. That's all right. There are lots of other books to read. Sure. Choose something else. This one apparently is not for you. 
You can't please everybody, right? There's always somebody who hates a piece of art that somebody else loves. It's so mm-hmm. subjective. Absolutely. And our experience with art mm-hmm. just varies so widely. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I think everybody has a piece of art that they love that somebody else hates. And I think that's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. I just hate it when people think that that's the only valid perspective. Right. Or like, judge on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, or how, how the hell do you like this? That's crazy. Right. You're, you're an idiot. Yeah. That sort of discussion about art is crazy to me. I um, agree. We all bring our own biases to everything. We kind of do. We can't help it. <laughs> Darn human beings. Um, no, it, we're not. No, yeah, we're, we're not. Yeah. We're just going to keep writing books, okay? That's all we got. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, um, let's see. We heard Lena talk to a person earlier today who refused to read books because they might learn something. What, what? <laughs> what, what? <laughs> You know, I just said we shouldn't be judgmental, but man, I went right into judgmental mode with that. I mean, that was really hard for me not to be judgmental about. Like, you don't want to learn something. To take. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's got to be Sometimes the world is overwhelming, right? You're just like, I don't, I can't handle it. One well, there are things I don't want to know. Like, if I have a favorite actor, I don't want to know anything more about that actor, just in case something about them taints their performance that I love, right? So, yes, <laughs> in that case, I don't want to learn, you know, anything else. I'm very good. But we're talking, you know, an actor's background that's not important. But sure. not learning, I mean, come on. That's <sighs> a, it's, a, it's a very broad brush to bring to the world, I think, to choose that. Yes, that's, I That's agree. too bad. Or it's a very, very tiny brush. It's a very tiny. Your battle, right? Like if you're not in the mood for whatever, fantasy, read a book about homebrewing or something or read a book about history, whatever. No, I think there's learning involved in those, Nathan. I think you're missing the point. Oh, no. That's true. See? It's because you love to learn so much, you can't even understand the concept, right? That's me too, right? I can't um, get it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. Um. To more fun things, I have a question. This is my new question. I really like this one. If you were forced to live in your fate world, what one tool or practice would you bring from your current life to help? Uh, I'd bring my guitar. Interesting. You want to be a bard? Is that, is that going to be your character? Yeah. Do you have bards it in that world? Okay, right? mm-hmm. I mean, there's something about music that always brings me happiness. And so... I don't, you know, I can come up with almost anything else. I'm pretty flexible as far as all the stuff that I've tried to do mm-hmm. and that I've been able to figure out how to do. Mm-hmm. So there's probably not one particular hobby or piece of equipment or whatever, um, if it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'd yeah, probably... Yeah, guitar makes sure sense. Because that's going to be something <laughs> hard to make, right? Like hard to just create out of nothing. They're very so, hard yeah. to make. Yeah. So that makes total sense. Yeah, my son, he plays guitar as well. And he bought a, the just the body of a guitar, like just the wooden mm-hmm. body. And he's so excited to be able to stain it and do all that kind of stuff. It was nice. months ago. It's still in the box. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Is it electric, I'm assuming? Yes. So he's got the ash body or poplar or whatever. Yeah. I don't even know which one. But yeah, and he was so excited about it. And yeah, it's still in the box. Buy him like a Gibson pickup or something for it, and he'll go crazy. Oh. Does he have an amp? He's got two amps because he has a bass as well. He plays bass as well, so he has one for the guitar oh, and one okay. for the bass. Because he had to have a different one. I don't know. I just <laughs> he he has what very is? very specific 
pickups that he he's gonna be going for. It's yeah, he, he's thought a lot about it. He just hasn't executed. Move forward. It. That's right. <laughs> I mean, in I his defense, he works like fourteen-hour days if you include the drive, and he's only twenty. Yeah. So you know, I got to give him a little bit of credit. That takes but, some time. I went the opposite true. direction and tore apart a guitar. <laughs> <Instead>. <laughs> That poor guitar, what did it do to you? That, that's what he did works. with the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he did Those that are too. fun. <laughs> Not when they're in pieces in your garage. <sighs> Still. Oops. Yes. Children. Could have been a they whole car. Them. Oh, don't encourage that because that's what my daughter wants to do. So, <laughs> uh. um, we'll say, well, so we talked earlier that we met at Dragon Con. And so mm-hmm. thank you for giving me your card so we could get you on here. It's awesome. Um, yeah. And Superstars, are you part of the Superstars group? Is that where you met like James and Jeanette and everyone? It is, yeah. Um, I enjoy Superstars quite a bit. We're still deciding whether we're going to travel or not. Um, mm-hmm. There's some family conflicts that might come up. Um, so I got to mm-hmm. think through that. But hopefully we'll be there if we can. Gotcha. We will be there as long as knock on wood, we don't test positive for COVID. Like we're all vaxxed and everything, yeah. but everyone I know is getting it. So, you know, I have no guarantee that we're not. So as long as that yeah. doesn't happen, we'll be there. Right on. Yeah, it's a little um, nerve wracking. It take is. Care. It is. <laughs> One of our groups where we're talking all the time, we're like, it feels inevitable now. It just feels, we've done everything we can to protect and it just feels inevitable. Yep. So I'm like, can I, I get it, it now? Because that gives me two weeks to recover. <laughs> I mean, where do we need to go <laughs> so that I'll be safe by superstars? Uh, so when the so thinking about all these events that we like to go to, um, and have you had it as you said earlier? It's really important to talk to other writers and you know other people in this business and yeah. to see what's going on and to and to network. Have you had any encounter that really changed your life? Um. I don't know if it's life changing, but it was a pretty cool moment so the writing excuses podcast has been around for quite a while um Love and that, that, that crew mm-hmm. started so they did writing retreats at mary robinette cole's house and then they moved it onto a cruise ship and so we went to the first and the second cruises where um mary and dan and howard and um brandon all taught that'd be so, so just it was such a small group a small venue um and i have the luck to have been drawn to have dinner with brandon sanderson and it was crazy because we were talking about one Mm -hmm. we were talking about computer programming and he said oh yeah that uses a whole lot of the same muscles that writing uses so it's understandable Mm -hmm. that it's exhausting Mm -hmm. because you think at a macro level and at a micro level at the same time because you're putting a whole together with these tiny parts that make it up. And, and a ridiculous so, amount of decision making. Yeah. So we we had a great conversation about that and then we talked That's about cool. outlining and he handed me his phone open <laughs> to his outline of his next uh, you know the next way of King's book um, which was just blew my mind like yeah here check it out this is how i outline so i got to scroll through his unpublished book for a minute just checking out how he outlines that's so cool and then he would just chat like all night long because he's a night owl so he would just chat in the conference room until two or three in the morning with us we could ask any questions we wanted anything and he would talk about whatever we felt like it was really cool so cool 
such a giving guy and such a, mm-hmm. a consummate professional. Like, mm-hmm. until you meet people, sometimes you don't realize just how thoroughly professional they are as writers. And that guy is through and through an expert at what he does and the industry around it. So it was eye-opening, mm-hmm. not just an artistic perspective, but an amazing business perspective as well. It makes sense. So he has really both good. minds. And then, you know, years later, that's what it gave me something to look for when I talked to folks at Superstars and 20 Books. And mm-hmm. when I met James and Jeanette, right, they gave off the same vibe. Like, we know this yep. industry, we know what we're doing. Um, and that gave me some confidence. Mm-hmm. And I knew, you know, the right questions to ask, stuff like that. So it was super cool. That's so cool. I love it. Well, he's one of the founders of Superstars for a reason. Definitely believes in the business yep. of writing, too. Mm-hmm. I wish he wasn't so busy, he'd come back. Right. <laughs> well, I'm one, well, you know, sometimes you look at somebody who's like been successful, like with this one book and they wrote and they're really successful and you look at them and they're like, eh, um, not Brandon. Holy moly. You're like, uh, anything Brandon, you're like, you've earned every darn thing that you have. Everything yeah. that man has worked is behind off. So, I mean, yeah. I, that is what I respect. It's impressive. He's earned it all. So he works I like really that. Hard. He does works his behind off and still <laughs> takes care of his family. I mean, how, what more could you want? So I just love it. Okay. It's great. Yeah. Love that, man. Um, do you have your Faye Nexus series planned out? Or are you waiting to see how far you can take the story? Um, I have arcs. So I'm going okay. to kind of bring the small town regional arc mm-hmm. to some level of fruition in book three. And then we'll see what happens if there's a following trilogy after that. I think I'd like to expand it, but I also have a couple of other projects in mind. So um, just working on book three and Mm -hmm. I have page upon page of notes and fun ideas and cool stuff that I want to try. So, yeah, I think Phoenixus can expand quite a bit, um, but I think it'll do it in stages um, as I kind of bounce in and out of it. So... I do have an idea of like up to six, nine books, something like that. I like to plan in trilogies. Makes sense to me. We were raised that way. Again, our brain is kind of programmed like that, you know? And the market changes and the world changes. And, um, you know, so the books have done really well. Um, But, you know, as an indie, I want to show some breadth. I want to show some creativity in different ways, too. So, you know, to show people... I'm here to stay and I have a variety of ideas. It's not just this one story. Uh, so over the next uh, couple of years, I hope to be able to show a lot of that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we look forward to watching your journey and we have had an awesome discussion. We're on the lightning round. So Uh-oh. here we go for the lightning round. Are you ready? This is where I get shot by lightning. Yeah. yeah only if you ask nicely. No. Okay. So <laughs> only it's if quick you roll answers. high enough. That's right. <laughs> All right. Critical fail on my part. <laughs> when you sit down to write, what's the first thing you do? Uh, drink more coffee. Oh, excellent. Okay, coffee. What Every is time. your favorite flavor of ice cream? Black walnut. Oh, I haven't had that one before. That's a new one. I like it. All right, Og, I got really your question. It. I put it in. Ready? Here's here's Og's question. Can zombies climb? <laughs> it's a very important question. No. Oh, I don't think so. I think they sacrifice dexterity for constitution. Dex is their dump stat. 
spoken <laughs> like a true role player. I'm so impressed. Coffee or tea? Oh, well, you just said coffee, didn't you? Uh, mostly coffee, but I do have some tea tonight. Oh, nice. Not beer? Oh, just for the record, Zafo so disappointed. Um, I who had is beer your earlier? <laughs> beer earlier? You're like, maybe I should be sober for the interview. No, not this interview. Just, no, no. I realized right before this that we're chilling more porter uh, tomorrow to drink this weekend, but I don't have a cold one right now. So gotcha. we have a porter to drink that's uh, only four weeks old. So we're letting it age a little bit at a time and drinking one every week or two. So we kind of note how it changes. We also have a wit beer that's uh, going to be old enough to taste this weekend and a brown ale, a nutty brown ale, which is awesome. So we have three different flavors we can try this weekend. So sorry to disappoint, but I swear we're planning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm it's not all disappointed. The time. I don't even drink beer. Blech. It's all his thing. <laughs> uh, who is your favorite band or musician? Oh, God, that's like asking my favorite book. It's Okay, so um, I like everything from metal to blues to folk. So, like, Stevie Ray Vaughan's amazing. I think Trent Reznor's incredible, like, just so creative and just wild how he bootstraps himself up. Um, as a guitarist, Joe Satriani, incredible. I saw him live years ago. Unbelievable. Uh, God, so many more. Yeah, you sound Andy like my Sterling, son. Those are like his lists. Yeah, I like, I mean, fun little bands, This Way to the Egress, uh, the Double Clicks, they're a blast. Um, everything, I like everything. I covered, like when I was in high school, I covered uh, everything from Pantera to Van Halen to Skid Row and stuff like that. So I played a variety of things and I love a variety of music. And when I DJ, I spin vinyl and I actually spin electronica. So oh. I'm in into house music too and edm and trance and all kinds of stuff there's very little music you, that i can't get some enjoyment out of one way or another that's <laughs> awesome spoken like a true lover of music cats <laughs> or dogs uh both um both? we mostly have cats now so i have three indoor cats we lost our outdoor dog just the other day or other year so last summer um I like having a dog. Mm -hmm. uh, they're just, uh, you got to find the right one, right? So it's true. Take some time. That is true. But, or the first one that shows up at your door. That's the one we usually take in. And <laughs> what is your least favorite chore around the house? My least favorite chore? Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that's a hard one. I don't know. I, um, I almost always do the dishes and vacuum. So probably vacuuming up cat vomit back to the cat and dog question. Yes, that would not be a fun <laughs> chore. I'm with you 100%. Steaming, we're like, steaming the carpet. That's uh -huh. not so fun. Yeah, we're like, we have tile right there. Couldn't you just tile right there, please? Yeah. It would be very convenient three, for us. Three uh, feet over, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Nathan, this was so much fun. Um, now that you are our favorite author, where can fans find you and your work? I'm mostly I am on Facebook. So there's a ton of fantastic lit RPG communities uh, on Facebook, lit RPG books, and the Gamelet Society and lit RPG. So they're awesome groups. They have great discussions. Awesome people recommending all kinds of stuff. So you'll find me there. 
I have an author page, so if you search for my fairly unique name, it's hard not to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty much there. So my books are on Amazon. They're all in Kindle Unlimited, and um, book one is on Audible, and book two should be released on Audible any minute now. <laughs> so we we finished um, recording, and we've got it proofed and everything, so I'm, I'm sure that it'll be up any time. Sweet. I'm glad we're not the only one that's always a little bit farther behind on Audible than on, on the audio than anything else. Like, we're trying. It takes more hours, like, in the short term. They're, they're like, also, what's the book's done? They're so hard to predict. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. Audible's just hard to predict. Like, when will yep. they actually let it go? <laughs> mm-hmm. Takes time, man. Takes time. Awesome. Well, yep. now that Nathan is your new favorite writer, please make sure to review his work. You can also review us wherever it is you get your podcast. You can follow on twitch.tv slash Dragonship or subscribe on cursedragonship.com slash YouTube. And we will see you next week where we interview D.L. Young. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.